All right, let's do this. Check your six. Checking in for another week podcast. Me, your host, Warlocker Call, is back once again. Also joined by my lovely co-host at Syntax. How's it going? Good, good. I've been uh, I've been busy. I've got a uh, got a pregnant wife who's not doing so well right now. So I've been uh, dealing with that. Projectile vomiting. Like that's yeah. that's the fun stuff. Just wait until you like. I guess maybe I, I guess going to a grocery store isn't really in the in the in the works. But like, you're gonna order some groceries and it's gonna be delivered, or like you'll get something and you're you're gonna pop open like the weirdest thing. You're gonna open like a, a bag of Doritos chips, and she's gonna smell it from like halfway across the house, and she's gonna go no throw it out it's making me nauseous get it out get it out get it out get it oh, out yeah that's that's happened to me already and then <laughs> i've i've already been uh i've already been on the, the the 10 o'clock uh gas station runs for random snacks nice uh so it's a lot of fun <laughs> well aside from that lovely fun life fun if you will We've got a lot to catch up on. I did some digging and some participation in the Face It uh, Discord a couple days ago and got to hear a lot of player feedback and some frustrations going on, but also got to hear from the Face It employees who are in there networking with the players. So it was good to hear that and good to see that. And so we got plenty of conversation there. We've got the updated bracket from the Face It preseason uh, championship how they wanted to run that uh, and hopefully there's not going to be much leakage into the spring real competitive season but we'll get into that uh, then we got the CEA quarterfinals I believe is what we're uh, yeah quarterfinals wrapped up we've got the CR6 quarterfinals wrapping up we're down into the losers bracket there and there's a lot to digest and actually, with the with CR6, we're down to the grand final, so we know the final two teams. So that will be a good breakdown of both Syntax and Mai's bracket picks and see how that goes. And I think Wanda Swan might have some words with me this week, but uh, I, think, I think that'll work out in my favor. Uh, spoilers, I didn't, I didn't do very well in the bracket picks. <laughs> Well, to be fair, we split it. Uh, we we didn't split it. We like one one win and a tie, a tie and a loss for you. It's not so bad. But I think at this point, CR six fall season belongs to me in terms of bracket picks. So, yes, <laughs> boomer magic yeah, going I, on. Yeah, I think so too. Jumping right on into the face it bracket. Now, let's see if I can pull this up real quick. Yes, yes, it works. Okay, so the weird thing about what happened with Face It, and this is part of where a lot of the player feedback came in, was that for a lot of the groups, one, they were stacked. There were some groups that had a three-way tie out of a five-team group, so three teams went four and one. And only one team, the top team, could qualify for the playoffs. And so you have three teams, four and one, and not everyone submitted enough screenshots at the end of their matches to determine consistent or 
confident numbers in round differentials. So face it had to go off of map differential. And so that what that did is it limited the number of teams who came from, even though that there were some highly competitive teams who were coming in. And the weird bit was that they still ended up creating a round of 32, but they allowed seven teams to go with a first round buy, even though that they had these other teams. Now, they didn't have time to do play-ins or kind of tiebreaker matches because they started their season so much later than the others. There wasn't any flexibility with schedule. So when you look at this bracket, you're going to see a lot of buys. and But there are still some pretty decent matchups here and ones to look forward to. So we'll just kind of get into this. Boulder with the buy. And here's the I actually have to do this. The other reason why the buys are controversial is because it was entirely random who got the buy. So Boulder, after how we've seen them perform in the other leagues and being hot and cold, inconsistent, giving them a first-round buy definitely challenges the competitive integrity of this preseason. Now, the good news is a lot of this format goes away when we go into the spring, but it gets into shaky ground. We'll go into that after the rest of the bracket. So CU versus CSULB, I think that'll be a fairly decent matchup. I think they're comparable in skill level this season. Bradley, congratulations for making it to the postseason. I don't know much about you. Uh, AM versus University of Michigan. I think this played out how, as expected. Uh, Mississippi State versus Kennesaw. This would have been a really fun match to have watched. And I would have probably given the leg up to Mississippi State uh, just of, off of how they've showed up this season. But I know Kennesaw has been competitive for multiple years. So uh, that, that plays out. And AM versus Kennesaw is going to be a good matchup, I think. Uh, Texas Tech, after how they performed against Akron, I completely agree that they should have gotten a bye, even though it was random. This is going to be a great match, Montreal versus uh, Texas Tech. Can't say I'm surprised between University of Montreal versus Elon. Uh, UGA getting a red. Wanda Swan will give me crap if I uh, don't say that they deserved it, so they deserved it. No, really, they, they actually did deserve it, so... Uh, I'm, I'm glad that they get to go on uh roadrunner utsa um roadrunners losing to tulsa is a bit of a surprise to me uh i don't know if i i just don't know enough about tulsa but i know utsa is like a strong competitive team so i'm surprised by that purdue going in their second seed in cr6 can't complain uh i believe this is central missouri yeah um Central Missouri, Central Mississippi. I want to say Missouri. Uh, they they showed up in a number of other leagues. So I'm Auburn. Uh, I think they've always kind of been a low tier team. Akron getting a bye. Duh. Uh, this matchup between Florida International University and Northern Arizona actually surprises me. Uh, I, I yeah. I mean Northern Arizona is not what I would consider a top tier team, and they kind of fell off this season. But to see them pull it off against FIU, who was uh, pretty deep into the CEA playoffs, um, that surprises me a lot. Uh, I don't expect much of a... I, I expect a bit of a blowout between Akron and Northern Arizona when they get to their match this week. Uh, NC State versus Charlotte is going to be good. Uh, having It would have been nice to have been able to watch North Carolina versus Charger Blue. 
Uh, Charger Blue, uh, honestly, kind of underwhelming this season. Uh, I don't know what happened to them. Probably a roster swap um, happened, and they weren't able to really kind of find a groove this season. But hopefully they'll find something in the spring. Uh, and so Uni University of North Carolina, Charlotte actually beat out uh, North Carolina State. So they'll be uh, going into the quarterfinals, which won't be played for like another week or so. Um, they got their second round out of the way very quickly. GCU getting a, a buy. They've been doing incredibly well in CEA Open, uh, and they did pretty well in CR6. So I'm I'm excited to see what this squad can do. Now, uh, Ohio State beat Boise State. Boise State is on that cusp of being a really competitive team. They're so close. They Knowing their organization and who it's run by and how the students are running it, like they're starting to get into the competitive side of things. And it's exciting to see that another program really become fully identifiable and fully realized um, behind Doc Haskell over there. Um, Ohio State can't complain. Another top tier team doing well. They lost to GCU in that second round. So GCU versus Northern uh, North Carolina, Charlotte will be a great matchup, I think, going forward. And now, so that's, that's what we have to look forward to there. Some good, some pretty good uh, matches coming up. So I'm excited to see that and see how uh, wrong view. There we go. Seeing how Face It handles that, um, and seeing like this is going to be more of the playoff structure that they'll follow in the spring season. So watching how they manage that will be really important. Um, the buys will obviously go away because they're moving to the regional conference setup and they'll be doing play-ins through there. My biggest concern with doing the conference is, uh, is it possible if they're not going to do like winners play winners and do kind of that round robin style, uh, if they're not, if the, it's not going to be winners playing winners and it's going to be random, my biggest concern would be that, um, teams like a stack team like Akron or Purdue is going to be playing some knowingly weaker teams and get an easy way through the season while another really good team is going to have to play really good teams throughout and then not have a record that reflects it and then miss the cut for playoffs that would be my biggest concern for that at least um yeah. And it's nice that we're going away from the five group, five team groups in the spring, so we're not going to have to worry about three-way ties uh, with lacking round differential. We're not going to be dealing with a stacked group or like a North Carolina school playing University of Hawaii until the playoffs <laughs> or until we can get to much farther in, as opposed to in the yeah. group stages having that stuff happen. So, so we're going. What are they moving to from? They're moving from five group stages to to what kind of format? So it's um, I can pull that up real quick. So the uh, that's for this one. Uh, I can't pull it up quickly, but the the uh, actually this is all the normal rules. No, this looks like the rules just for this tournament. But it's going to be like a. Uh, was it Eastern, Southern, Central, and Northern division uh, conferences? And so, the, in their official rules, they have it broken down what states fall in what group. So, I think it's a five-week season 
right, here we go. Full, full, full rules here. Okay, let me bring this up. Um, league structure. So, east, south, central, and west. The season will consist of six weeks of Swiss matches with one match being played per week. The top teams will advance to a single elimination bracket. Seeding the inaugural season will not be seeded. Future seasons may implement season, uh, seeding to balance excessive skill differentials between conferences. So right now we're getting regional to try and make the matches most fair so that they're all on the same servers and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but that's... What's uh, the other thing to keep in mind is that the championship series only allows one team per school, so you're not going to have to worry about varsity and JV teams being in the same uh, same division. So you're going to see the best of each of the schools coming into this league. Um, so that's the schedule. Conference playoffs. The size of the playoffs will be determined after the registration period. Uh, there will be two or three rounds played in each week of the conference playoffs. So, wow, week one is going to be round of 32 and round of 16 play. Then week two is round of eight, round of four, and finals. So three matches, oh. one. That's going to be really tight for the students to be playing. The, yeah. I mean, the playoffs are... February late February and early March. That's when the playoffs are. So they're the championship is TBD. So that's to find a, accelerated two weeks to find out who the cha the championship match is going to be, and then schedule that later. Um, so going into some of the issues that players had um, with face it as it is right now i think it mostly stems with how the preseason was handled but it it's also a measurement of confidence or lack of confidence that players will have going into the spring season about how this league is going to be run the first up like the bye week in the preseason playoffs completely random yeah okay yeah, that, that sucks, but it's a preseason. It was meant to be there for learning, getting feedback, getting things adjusted. But there's definitely a lacking of messaging about what the preseason was meant to be for and yeah. how it was going to be utilized and how it was meant to be for more fun than and for better scrims. But they did not set up for better scrims. They set up for letting teams have matches and get used to scheduling matches. It was a very, not just an inaugural inaugural run. It was an inaugural run for the staff too. That's what I think this was. This was more about face it and Ubisoft learning than it was about the players competing. That's how it feels to me. Okay. Uh, we got some information about why they chose to do group uh, groups of five teams apiece. Uh, and that they actually learned their lesson a little bit on that. They decided to do groups of five for scheduling reasons to keep it consistent, but that ended up creating a different set of problems for them, which they weren't anticipating, and it just kind of create created a whole bunch of problems for them. Uh, starting later in starting later than any other season, it didn't allow them to have any 
um, maneuverability, flexibility in their scheduling for the matchups. So this preseason has just been bam, 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 bam. Like if you look at that bracket, like they announced the bracket just a few days ago. So uh, they said uh, round of 32, November 14th. Uh, November fourteenth at noon was the default time, I believe. So that was that was Saturday. Uh, that was yesterday, and so they had to play that. But then the round of sixteen was meant to be played as soon as possible, and then the twenty first being the quarterfinals and the semifinals being ASAP as well, and finals being ASAP. They are modeling this scheduling of how they're going to run the spring season. I'm just lining that up right now. So they are doing a very accelerated playoffs. And I'm wondering if that's good or bad for players. I, I expect that the teams are not going to really appreciate that. Um, I wonder like what they mean by ASAP. Like, are they giving them a specific deadline? Or are they just saying teams play like the first chance you get? Like, I... I think well, I mean they have to they have to schedule it before the quarterfinal the quarterfinals um oh, default time. Yeah. So like round of 32 is November 14th, which was yesterday, and the quarterfinals are scheduled for November 21st. So they have to play one game or yeah, they have I to mean, play two games like, in a week. They've got a full week to uh yeah, I mean, the, the the round of 32 is on the 14th, which was yeah. yesterday. Yep. So now they've got a full week to play their round of 16s before the yep. quarterfinals on the 21st. And then they have a, I'm assuming they have a full week again yeah. to get the semifinals done. Oh, well, semifinals and finals are ASAP, so actually I don't yeah. know how long they have. So the, I mean, and I mean, if you think about the teams that are playing in three different, in all three leagues right now, where they already have one match a week in those and now face it granted with the largest prize pool and will have the largest prize pool in the in the spring asking teams to play three matches it's applying a lot of pressure on the students to pick the league that they want to fully participate in yeah and i i think money's going to win out on that i especially if face it can re be really responsive and uh, appreciative of the feedback that they're getting, but I, I think it's really aggressive um, to and to try and split teams off to your league right away. I would, I mean, you've already got the prize advantage. Prove you're the premium league first, and not apply that pr pressure. You're you're kind of coming into enemy territory where other teams have been participating in these other leagues and they like how they're run, but then you come in and you kind of give this brush off preseason for teams. And with a lot of lacking communication, I think that does more damage than good. You might have that big prize pool, but people aren't going to like playing in your league unless you're really learning and taking lessons and applying pressure so that teams play two three matches in your league so that they can't play in another league that they like playing in it's going to be a very divisive um mechanic some teams will choose to play in the better league that they like playing in and others are going to choose well we want the prize pool either way you're watering down the reputation of your league because you're creating the division yeah uh uh part of the thing was 
uh, from Spectre, one of the Face It employees, the idea behind the preseason is that it was supposed to be something for teams to practice and play in before the season started. This was, okay, if they weren't going to be researching and using the data that the other leagues have and have probably even provided to Face It and Ubisoft to create reasonable leagues or reasonable five-team groups that they're just randomly shuffling teams together it's now playing for fun and you're not getting reasonable scrims you're not getting valuable scrims is it any wonder why we saw so many cancellations and forfeits no because teams were either like oh you're akron sorry we don't want to get we don't want to get our hands headed uh, handed to us like we're not going to learn anything from that any reasonable coach or captain is going to go this is not a valuable uh, scrim for you or for us we'll just forfeit Wow, okay. And so, like, if it was supposed to be for practice and play, the only teams who are going to get anything out of it are the teams that don't know anything else about any of the other teams or any of the other leagues. And even then, when they get into it and they start playing and they're getting roasted 7-1, to 7-0, to zero, what value is that to anyone? This preseason suddenly just looks like a really watered-down experience. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Now, I mean, you look at the playoffs. These teams are going to get something from it. They're playing teams that are out similar caliber. But they had to go through five weeks of round robin. And now that they're on an accelerated schedule, they're like, okay, we're finally getting to these good matches, but we want time to prepare. We want time to understand our opponents. But they're playing two and three matches per week. That's also compromising a team's ability to really be in the thick of it and like gcu ohio state akron purdue uh texas tech all of them up to this point were in all three leagues they might have been eliminated from playoffs but they're all in all three leagues they're blowing off this league for sure because the other team the other leagues are actually competitive and for something this preseason has been really a mismatch all the way through yeah it really has um i mean i don't think it's really anyone's fault i i mean face it honestly they've never done this kind of a league before so i mean it's kind of it's pretty experimental for them yep and so i mean i don't think it's anyone's fault and i don't think a lot of people are getting mad and i don't think people should be getting mad because the reason they're getting mad is that they the teams have an understanding of who's good and who's not good. Yep. So when they see these matchups, they get mad that they got matched up with these with these other teams. But what they don't realize is the perspective of Face It. Is Face It doesn't understand who's good and who's does who and who's not. So they 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 didn't do it on purpose. They they did it because they don't they don't have the same knowledge as these teams do. Right, uh, and these teams aren't looking from their perspective; they're they're only looking from their own perspective. Yeah, I I agree. I think they weren't able to get enough information, um, and really being able to um, understand the leagues and the teams before while over, while over the summer. I think they put something really together. There was a, and I mean. I don't want to take anything away from face it like they're coming in starting a new league 
They got data from the other leagues about what the other teams liked and didn't like. They set themselves up for more success by having a preseason as opposed to just jumping straight into having a competitive fall and a competitive spring season. So they set they set a decent pace, but like Spectre said, they made some decisions and it just kind of cascaded into different problems than what they were expecting. And part of that was also they didn't have any flexibility in their schedule to learn and adapt. They set they set a very firm structure to the preseason, and it's proving to be a little detrimental to it. So they'll fix this up. It'll be fine. There was even brainstorming of running this preseason more like the CRSL play-ins or a CSRL um, qualifier events. So then they run a qualifier event. Everyone rolls in. Everyone plays in a tournament. Winner or top two teams qualify for the playoffs and just run uh, rolling competitions that way. So then it's a competitive tournament bracket. Winners qualify for overall playoffs. And you do mm-hmm. that in you do that in the uh, preseason so that teams can see how far they can go. It creates a better content in my mind. It creates better uh, representation of team strengths. You'll start seeing com- uh, competition really break out. You'll start developing some history. These teams will start seeing who their opponents could be and understanding who they need to be researching. It starts getting into good practices. Um of being a competitive t- a team and a, computer, a competitive program even. Uh, so there, there was a lot of conversation, a lot of really good feedback, a lot of well-meaning people like Tango Mango Down. He's in from another league. He's in there working with Face It, trying to qualify things, qual- trying to be a part of the conversation, part of good feedback. So I commend him on doing that. He's really reaching out and trying to drive the Siege community forward. But there's some other folks in there. I won't name them, but they acted really entitled and really disrespectfully to Face It employees. So I super, super props to Spectre, Tiffany, and Lindsay who are in chat. And so uh, they they were taking the feedback. They were responding in chat. It, it really seems reflective of some of the conversation that we had last week on the podcast with some of the listeners in chat where they were saying, they're taking feedback. They're listening. They're hearing the players. They're doing stuff. They're making moves. It's just for the preseason, it's too late to do anything. And yeah. the season is so different than the preseason that they have to start prepping for that spring season now if they're going to sort out any of these other problems. And seeing that the playoff structure is mirrored in the spring season, I really want to see them take into account that teams are bad at sending in screenshots at the end of their matches to determine round differential face it has to do something to solve for that either holding teams more accountable for that and making that even be a part of a tiebreaker if your team doesn't submit three of your round differential scores at the end of the match that you win then and the team who submits all their screenshots and they can prove their round differential is consistent and um, actually provable then they should be the ones who go into the playoffs. I think that's where you start teaching that accountability. If it's too much for these Rainbow Six squads, the captain or a coach to go in and fill in a spreadsheet, fill in a form, or take a screenshot, then sorry, you're kind of SOL and you're not doing your responsibility to the league. Mm-hmm. So seeing how Faceit responds to this lack of data from the teams 
I think will be a big contributing factor of how well the spring falls in line. And it just knowing that it's not going to be seeded. Uh, they said Swiss format, so I'm assuming that it will be winners play winners, losers play losers, and then we'll create a nice bell curve and we'll figure out who goes into the playoffs. It sounds like if they're doing a round of 32, it'll take the top eight teams from each division. So plenty of room for round differential to make a big difference in this and even map differential to make a difference. So yeah, we'll have to see how that goes. Now, I mean, like I said, big shout out to Face It, Spectre, uh, Lindsay and Tiffany in, in Discord. They have they did a great job taking the feedback and being a part of the conversation. Uh, now, there, there was one part that I, I'm really curious on your take. It's a pro league rule and it's reflected in um, the Face It League. The map three decider in a best of three, the decider map, is the, which side a team takes, attacker, defender, is decided by coin flip. Oh, some players feel like that that is not acceptable. I, I mean, I don't know what other solution they would have. I mean, that's, that's about as uh, fair as you can get, you know? You're not giving bias to any one team. It's a, it's a coin flip. It's a 50-50 chance. I mean, you can't get more fair than that. Um, would, I'm curious would, as to the, the people who are against it. I'm, I'm curious as to like what they think would be the right answer to that. Because I'm, pr- I'm sure that like whatever solution they might have is probably uh, going to come down to some sort of bias that they have. Yep. So I, I, don't, I don't think that... Uh, I don't think Do that think- there's another reasonable solution other than a coin flip. Do you think round differential could be used to be the decider? The dominant team gets to decide? No. Because yep. then you're you're coming down to a bias, right? Yeah. You're, yep. you're saying you're saying that the, the, the team that has dominated gets favor. Yep. It gets right? to continue dominant. Yes. They get to choose and the map that they are dominant on. Again, you know, that's that's not fair. Well the, the map three is the tiebreaker, so it's the, the map collectively agreed upon. I, but I, I mean, agree. yeah, I mean, you go into that map pick ban phase knowing who has the higher differential, so you know what map you want to be that decider, because, or you you know what side you want, after the first set of bans, you know what yeah. map what decider map you want by then. I uh, I mean. I, I still don't think there's mm-hmm. I, I think a coin flip is literally the most reasonable thing you can get um, I mean it's in pro league for a reason I don't think I've ever heard of a, of a pro team complain about it I ha- I haven't yeah. honestly I mean it, I mean if it wasn't fair you would think there would be uproar about it right yep but uh, there I, isn't because it's it's completely reasonable I, I don't they do it in I football can't... right I mean well so the di- the difference is is that maps in Siege can be defender-heavy or attacker-heavy, biased. And so when you decide by coin flip, who gets the... Who gets, who gets the, the better side? Who gets the better I mean, side? That, that's, that's where I go, yeah, that doesn't seem quite right, but at the same time, I can't think of a better way. Uh... Homie Mixon Home. chat says it's a coin, it's a pro rule, but almost all college teams are against it. I'm curious as to why you guys, why college teams are all against it. Like what? 
what 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 is your logic in, in being against a coin flip i i yeah. just i just don't i just can't fathom about like why people d don't think a coin flip is fair or i mean if there is a if it would have to be a league standardized decider map you're taking one map out of the pool and saying that this is always the decider and hopefully that decider is a backed up by data where the map is a attack defend split 50 50 or as close to a 50 50 as possible yeah i mean that way that way a coin flip decides not not bias but it it decides who gets to choose what side they start on you have to play both sides but that starting side then kind of matters to the team it says the consensus is that they are used to reward they are used to rewarding the one that has a better round differential so like the teams are used to being rewarded for having a better round differential so like they think that having a 50 50 chance is unfair so all the other leagues do round differential gets to decide i i don't think that's right i honestly i think the other leagues are doing it, the other leagues are doing it wrong because you're giving favor to one team who who's the more dominant i don't think that's fair because yeah people th think that like oh if we're dominant like you know we should be rewarded like no you'll be rewarded when you get first place in the tournament yeah and rounded and Until using then, round every, yeah go ahead Until go ahead every, every other team should get an equal an equal chance i agree but when you're, when you're going with a round differential you're no longer keeping the integrity of having equal chance between teams you're favoring one team just be, just because they did better and one or two other matches and right now and, when all of the when so many of the leagues have a lot of teams who are coming in and they're new and they're getting blown out like uh cr6 you have your regional conferences but there's a lot of new teams in here that were sparked by the face it uh league spinning up so they want more uh representation and more opportunity to play in practice but you're also allowing a lot of those teams get to get 7-0 stomped a lot of those teams are still forming and figuring out oh figuring out scheduling oh we missed it we had to forfeit that forfeit and then stacking that forfeit round differential on top of allowing people to choose individual influencing decisions in every single match leading upwards it starts creating really uh really heavily biased and then i mean i i i would have to do some heavy number crunching and there would have to be a lot of consistency in the data there to start seeing how that round differential played a factor in things but the fact of the matter is it is a tie-breaking mechanic used at the end of a season to mm -hmm. decide who goes into the playoffs and who doesn't and, and that I round differential gives you a seeding as well but to use it to influence every single match that goes up to that point unless you are already 2-0ing a team that sounds like it's already really really in favor of the team that's already doing well and that could be contributing to why we see such highly competitive teams and then teams just getting completely blown out yeah and i guarantee you if you took a poll on the teams who are for better uh, who are for 
round differential tiebreakers than teams who are against round differential tiebreakers. I guarantee you every single team who votes for round differential tiebreakers are the dominant teams. I oh, absolutely. You. Because those are the only people who are in favor of them because it favors them. I, I, that, I guarantee you that it's 100%. There's, there, I guarantee that there's no team who's for a, a round differential tiebreaker who's losing. I mean, if and if they are, they're stupid. <laughs> they're, 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 they're stupid. I'm sorry. That's just that, that's plain and simple. Homie Migs comes up with an example. Like, for example, yesterday we blew out Tulsa map one. They came back and took map two. We lost the coin flip to a defense on map three and had great momentum going on that map. So you lost round lost differential it. was a tiebreaker under ESL rules. Yeah, round yeah, after this for for overall standings. We're not talking about individual individual matches, right? Yeah. Round differential was a tiebreaker in overall standing. Yeah. And that's fine. But does, do using round differential to see who gets to choose the coin who gets to choose side off of the coin flip is round differential? Yeah, that's no bueno. Yeah. Or to use round differential to decide sides as opposed to a coin flip in individual matches. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, homie goes on to agree that the dominant teams are most of the ones against coin tosses. And to I, I think I can sum up what Syntax and I are thinking is suck it up. <laughs> yeah, suck it up. Take <laughs> I, it, it's fair. It's fair chance, and these teams are getting salty that that the, the lesser teams or the I'm not gonna say lesser teams, but the uh, the less experienced teams are getting an equal chance to them, and they just they don't feel they feel entitled that they should get the tiebreaker decision because they're doing better, which is just isn't the case. Yeah. Uh, round differential on LAN was tiebreakers on th uh, three map series. I wonder if that was round differential confined to the LAN tournament or if that was I'm assuming it was a LAN like playoffs or a tournament and with it being that confined I also don't agree with that because as soon as you if you if you're doing a double elimination style the winners are going to keep going and like it should be the top seed that's how you reward the top performers is that's top seed gets decided you don't have to do round differential and it, you're here's here's where things break off between collegiate league and pro league the reason that they're not doing round differential and they're only sticking to coin toss is because pro league teams they're all on the same level collegiate teams are not that is just plain and simple yeah their collegiate team skill levels are on all all ranges of the spectrum and so that's where you get into a very very big gray area of using round differential for for tiebreakers because it's just not fair to the to the people on the lower end of the spectrum it just isn't um, but for on pro league where everybody is on the same end of the spectrum, yeah, it's 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 completely fair. 
Well, we want to hear your thoughts. Coin flip, round differential, whatever you have to say. Other college teams, I'd love to hear you weighing in on this topic and seeing how we can influence the Rainbow Six collegiate scene. So please leave your feedback, anchor.fm slash check your six, that is with the numeral six, slash message. Drop us a line, tell us what you think. And with that, we're going to wrap up our conversation on Face It and move on over to CEA. Now, with a limited number of matches going on, we are actually going to discuss a couple of the results from the Open League quarterfinals and what teams will be coming up in the top four there. But we're going to start with the Invite League. Invite League had us in the quarterfinals, Akron versus Michigan Technological University. Michigan, I didn't get a chance to watch this, but the fact that they took a map off of Akron should be an accomplishment all on its own right. Not many teams can say that they've done that to Akron. So for Akron to have won two to one, can't say it's surprising for Michigan to say, we know how to beat Akron, even on one map, even if it was close, even if it was in overtime, they can put that feather in their cap and say, we know how to play against these guys. We, we have a leg up against so many other teams who just get demolished by Akron. So it's exciting to see another team coming in. Now, this is a double elimination style tournament. This was in the winner's side. So Michigan has fallen to the loser side, but they might have another opportunity to play against Akron again in the finals as that was Akron's last matchup until the actual end of the tournament. So we had two other matchups coming in, Florida International University versus CU Boulder Black and Madison Esports Red versus Pennsylvania State. Now, Florida International University won against CU Boulder Black 2-1. to one. Again, I'll be a little critical of CU Boulder. They've been a little hot spotty, inconsistent play here and there, so we'll see how that rounds out. Again, they had a new squad or some new members of the squad with this also being the fall season, they get a lot more time and experience over the break to roll into the other competitive seasons in the spring to really show what they can learn from this fall season. So I'm excited to see where Boulder goes from here. Uh, this gives them a lot more time to practice and focus on their their own play while not participating in, in a lot of the playoffs. But, I mean, at the same time, they went deep in a lot of the playoffs. So they're still in face it. They're deep in... Or did they get eliminated from face? I forget. I don't want to misspeak. Yeah, uh, CSU LB versus Boulder. So they still have that to look forward to. They can still go deep and face it. They they went deep into CEA and CR six. I think they did fairly well. I, I can't recall, but like they were competitive again. So they they know what they need to do. They know what they need to work on. I'm excited to see them come back in the spring. Uh, Madison Esports Red versus Pennsylvania State. This this would have been a great match to have watched. Uh, Pennsylvania State really coming out strong this season. And Madison Esports Red has been really impressive. It was really impressive last season. I was watching them closely this season. To see Pennsylvania State pull out a 2-1 to one against them, I think is a bit of a statement made. But we actually have more on that. Let me play this clip from Captain and Coach from Pennsylvania State University, and we'll get a little bit more on their side.
Now that was a wonderful message to have gotten. And for those of you who didn't find out the results of that matchup, we already have them, which is exciting that Pennsylvania State took the 2-0 over FIU. That means they will be playing Michigan Technological University in the semifinals to figure out who will play Akron in the finals. This is a big step for both Pennsylvania State and Michigan Technological, as both are relatively new to the scene, and or at least new to the upper crust of the scene. And so it's exciting to see them perform so well. Pennsylvania State actually uh, joined Invite League this season after uh, winning their relegation match last spring. So to have them come out in their first showing to be this successful, making it to the semis, almost maybe even potentially to the straight finals on their first run in the invite league and be up there with a team like Akron, that's a huge accomplishment to do against mm -hmm. how competitive this, this league was. So it's great to see Pennsylvania State out here. Great to hear from them. Thank you for sending that message. It was wonderful. Uh, and it'll be great to hear more team perspectives as they come in on this season. So very excited about that. In-state beat FIU, right? Yep, they beat FIU. So, FIU is now out of uh, CEA. And go on. Uh, yeah, so uh, speaking of FIU, uh, Migs is saying that they... FIU actually pulled out a face-it. Um, I wonder if their loss in CEA had any factor in that. So they just they just straight up pulled out of, out of all... out of both face-it and CEA and said they're not playing siege anymore is that is that correct Meg? it's like their the, their team is just disbanding which also actually while we wait on that response from homie uh that actually explains to me how uh northern arizona university got through fiu in the face of playoffs either they didn't play and they just quit and or fiu just quit uh, forfeited got out of the playoffs said we're done or they just kind of played around on that matchup it could have been either way it, it's preseason northern arizona might have just appreciated the practice the scrim essentially but have it count for the playoffs but um yeah that's that's too bad fiu performed really well last season in crsl and uh cea or i believe it was cea um yeah so, the yes, team is they're disbanding wow that's okay. unfortunate. I mean, this is this is the the deal with collegiate esports programs live and die by the students who are passionate about running the esports club. Teams are going to be are going to live and die by whether or not the game is popular on campus and whether or not the team wants to do this anymore. If they have one or two hard carries on the team, if they decided to play, um, then that's that's the deal. And yeah, they did forfeit that match against Northern Arizona. So, I mean, th this is how collegiate esports is right now. It's a, a thrive or die kind of thing. Did they uh, did they give a reason as uh, did they like give a statement as to why they're disbanding, or did they they just said, "Hey, we're disbanding"? They were strong in CRSL last summer. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of confusing as to why like a team of their like of their stature would just 
disband. There has to be like a bigger reason. I yeah. Guess maybe they just didn't like the the league rules or something. I mean, I mean, they were in CRSL. They're in CI or CEA. They were in Face It. I believe they were in CR6. I'm having a hard time remembering, but like to be a really competitive team last season and then uh, just deciding to disband, to me, it's like they're like it's probably that the players have lost interest or the key players have lost interest. The, it's entirely possible. Um, yeah, more than half the team doesn't play Siege anymore. That would do it. And there's probably just not enough interest uh, in their club. The club could be really small still at this point and just not enough interest in Siege. And so no one's there to replace it. So they're just like, yeah, why force ourselves to keep going through? Um, yeah. And oh, which actually is an interesting point because one of the Pennsylvania State uh, players is just like on Twitter. He's just like, well, I guess we're still playing. We keep winning, but I just want to be done. I just want to be done. Pennsylvania State keeps winning, but I just want to be done. And it's, I think there's humor behind it. And there's a lot of this, oh, we keep winning, so I guess I'll keep playing kind of mentality. It's funny. But at the same time, what effect is this going to have on Pennsylvania State in the spring? That will be interesting to see. Uh, so, uh, invite league or open league. We had Texas Tech versus Auburn 2-0. to uh, I'm not too surprised there. Uh, seven to two on Villa, seven to five on Oregon. Uh, NC State lost out to University of Georgia, uh, two to one. Kudos, Wanda Swan. I saw that matchup. That was great. Seven to two on Clubhouse for UGA. Eight to seven on Theme Park for North Carolina. Seven to five on Oregon for UGA. So that was a, it. Was a tight matchup. It was great. Um, Then we had Grand Canyon University versus Central Florida, 2-0. Very clean there. University of North Carolina, Charlotte, who we've been talking about throughout uh, on Face It and uh, here, 2-1 uh, over Ohio State, the Ohio State varsity squad. So 2-1 to one there. North Carolina is showing a lot of promise this year, a lot of growth since the spring. So uh, another team to watch. Grand Canyon University, they, they're, it's weird. They were really good a couple years ago on the cusp of being great, kind of had a slump. Now this year, not a whole lot of talk about them, not a whole lot of like high positioning for them, but they're cruising through some teams. They keep winning. They are a team to pay attention to, especially in the fall. I'll be really interested to see how well they do there. Uh, that means the upcoming final four and the final two matchups are Texas Tech versus UGA. Wanda Swan, you want to put me in my place? You want to say you earn credibility as being a recognizable team? I already recognize it. Y'all are competitive. Don't get me wrong. Texas Tech almost took it to Akron. Akron is that gold star measurement. They have proven that time after time. UGA, you want... You want recognition. You want to earn that top 10 chip in my brain. I think Texas Tech is where you pull out all the stops. You you even make it close, 2-1, to one, with an overtime in there, and you're right up there with Texas Tech. You're right up there with Akron. I think that's what proves it, consistency over time. Show me what you got. That's what I'm saying. Get into Invite League next season and see how far you go. But UGA, you are competitive. I don't want to take anything away from you. I just... 
need to need some more information. Uh, Grand Canyon University versus UNC Charlotte. That is going to be a banger. Uh, like I'm excited about these two matchups. Yes, this is CEA open, but that's only because invite is so selective about how many teams are in and who gets in there. These four teams deserve to be an invite league. If we can have all four, I would take all four of them. But if I can only take two, that's tough. And in my mind, in my mind, it's still Texas Tech, and it's probably Grand Canyon University. I think those two have proven... I mean, all four of these teams have proven to be in invite league quality. I hope that we can choose all four of them. I hope that there was a couple teams that invite league that were just like, man, we give up, blah, bad blood, no longer an invite, and then still do two relegations. Give me three of the four, and UGA's in there. I think that's how I break that down. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's invite and open league for CEA. Very excited. Uh, the next matchups are coming up on the week of the 18th, so that's that's the standard game time, I believe. So a few more days, and we will see who does well and who pulls forward into that next step of the playoffs. CR6, only two matches to discuss. Plenty of time to do so. We had Michigan State versus University of Georgia. I got, and I mean, I'm bringing up Wanda Swan because he was in chat last week. And I got crap about how UGA, what do they need to do to prove to me that they are a top-tier team, that they are way up there in competition, and I need to stop underestimating them. Well, maybe, Wanda Swan, maybe if you didn't lose to Michigan State University like I predicted, maybe there'd be a little bit more in that top 10 weighing in your favor. But the way it broke down was a 2-1 to one for Michigan State. Uh, we got the picks and bands. So UGA banned Coastline, MSU banned Consulate, UGA picked Clubhouse, MSU picked Villa, UGA banned Theme Park, MSU banned Oregon, and Decider was Cafe. I don't know about you, but I hate Cafe being the Decider. I absolutely abhor the idea of playing a Decider map on that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, that's a pretty shitty Decider map, I'm going to say. Uh, I, what I do know is... Uh, UGA absolutely stomped MSU on their map pick on Villa, like seven yeah. zero stomped. Yeah, uh, and then came back and lost in overtime, I believe, yep. on their map pick. And then I don't remember. I don't know what the. I don't know how the the, the decider went, but. So yeah, they they each took each other's map pick. So MSU took UGA's map pick on Clubhouse. They took that, uh, what was that, 8-6 to six or 8-7, to seven, something like that. It was in overtime. Um, then UGA just f- floored Villa, just absolutely just 7-0, just, oh, like you said. Uh, and Cafe, 7-3 to three for MSU. It was, it was tight for a few rounds back and forth, and going into the half four to two going uh switching to the let's see uh to defense on cafe i like defending on cafe more so when they can go on attack when they go four and two on the attack that just leave in my opinion like that gives them a really strong foundation to go off and defend on cafe 
and so they took it this map series the the series with this one but they won seven to three yeah okay i think that's just a tough position to be in like i don't i don't know who won the coin flip on map three to say if uga was put in a position to not enjoy that if i had to guess round differential given that msu was the seed the higher seed in the tournament i would say msu probably had more likely had the higher round differential did they get to choose no there was a coin flip um or no this in this is cr6 so if we're going off of what homie said this was off of round differential so the team the higher seeded team or the team who had the higher uh, round differential would have made the decision and if yeah. uga defended first i see it as a defender sided map did they squander their coin flip or their decision not coin flip decision did they squander the decision hard to say um but yeah interesting matchup i'm great it went to i'm super happy it went to three maps uh excited to see ot being in there excited to see a 7-0 stomping in there just going what happened to that momentum after taking your opponent's map like that was that was a spicy and like i was excited to watch map three yeah um, oh it's around differential of the series interesting so it's who plays better in that moment or in the in those map two maps which then it would have absolutely have been um uga yep um yeah so there we go so great matchup we get to see michigan tech or michigan state take on drum roll akron you and i were both wrong on this purdue versus akron matchup in our bracket so want 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 us Akron must have heard me trash talking them about, oh my God, I'm so worried about them after how they performed against Texas Tech. Or maybe they had a wake up call. Maybe they were just more prepared for Purdue. Maybe I can ping them on Twitter and find out what happened. Uh, let's see, we had bands first. Purdue got the band first. Clubhouse, Akron Consulate, Purdue chose Villa. Akron chose Coastline. Purdue Band Cafe, thank you. Akron Band Theme Park Decider on Oregon. Which I don't know how I feel about that being a map three decider either. Uh, map one, or why, why don't you cover this? I've been talking a lot. Which one? The uh... Purdue Akron map one. I don't think I have that. Oh, it might not have updated. Uh, I did that this morning. Sorry. Uh, so map one was on Villa, OP operator bands. Thatcher, Montaigne, Maestro, Mira. Okay, yeah, I, I do have it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, go ahead. Yeah, so attack. Uh, who who attacked on on Villa? Uh, Akron or yeah, Purdue Akron. attacked first. Okay, A and P at, at Akron and Purdue. So it, Akron banned Thatcher, Purdue banned Monty and Maestro, and uh, Akron banned Mira. On Villa, Mira is actually a pretty reasonable ban. Uh, she can be really strong and. What is that? Aviator uh, in games, and then also uh, uh, downstairs in, in kitchen. Yep. Um, let's see. 
So Akron actually dominated the first half on defense, um, which honestly doesn't really surprise me because no. any any really good any good team uh, can win almost every defensive round on on Villa. So they took it. They took the first uh, the first split to five to one, um, and then uh, when they switched over to attack on the split, Purdue actually was able to take a couple rounds on defense, which uh, is pretty reasonable. And then Akron was able to take it back and took it uh, seven to three. Um, map two was coastline, so Akron banned uh, Capitao and Mira while Purdue banned Jackal and Valkyrie. Um, Mira on Coastline, um, I think is a waste of a ban. I'm gonna say that. Um, Jackal on Coastline is also kind of a waste of a ban um, because the map is so small. You don't, you don't need a Jackal to find out where people are, just throw a drone. Um, Valkyrie, though on, on coastline can be a huge ban because of those uh, some of these out these cheeky outside cameras uh inside cameras can be hidden pretty well um and then akron defended first um and then purdue attacked first so akron defended first on both maps yep which is interesting um so purdue in the okay so um Said okay, so reminiscent of the reminiscent of the first map, um, but more competitive Purdue or more competitive um, playing from Purdue in the first half. Uh, I guess Purdue was able to keep it close even though they were on attack. Um, and then once I guess on the split, Akron was able to uh, widen their gap uh, and lead it or and uh, take it take the victory at seven four. Um, which honestly, I don't think I wouldn't say it's a surprise. I think that was, I think that was about how I expected it to go. Um, coastline it can be a very 50-50 map. Some people say it's very defender heavy. Some people say it's very attacker heavy. But honestly, coastline is kind of a a toss up. So the fact that it was seven four, it kind of it it makes sense to me. Would you, uh, based off of your comment about Jackal being a good band for the map? um bad would band. you what was that bad band bad band waste, yeah waste of a band do you think that even if it was a targeted ban on like one of the players on akron was actually really good with jackal or really proficient with him do you think it's still worth a target ban trying to throw off a player from his pool or do you think the map type map bans take priority um That really depends. I guess if you are really scared of that one player, then mm -hmm. yeah, I guess it would be reasonable. But it's just one player. Um, I think I think looking at the bigger picture as a whole um, is a lot better um, than to just focus on one on one player yeah. uh, playing a jackal. Now I can understand if you were to like target ban like a Monty that was really good. Cause that can be really annoying but it's just a jackal right you can easily jackals even though if you even even if you get uh, tracked you can easily bait him into one of your teammates and your teammates can kill him i mean it's, it's not that difficult to deal with a jackal but um i don't know i, I guess if they were target banning someone then sure 
Yeah. I mean, at this stage of the game where Akron has exposed a lot of their plays, a lot of their operator preferences, if you're going to try a strategy, if you're going to try something that your map clearly doing map specific bans on operators hasn't proved successful for other teams and you want to go into this matchup trying to give yourself a leg up trying to play operator bans trying to make people uncomfortable i mean we saw them ban monty and maestro which honestly i hadn't seen many bans of in the rest of the season across most of the leagues so to me it sounded it looked like there might have been some target bands being part of Purdue's strategy. And now when we have so many comfort bands of Mira coming across and a lot of teams sounding like that, they prefer to focus on their comfort bands. Purdue trying to take their game to that next level of doing target bands, I don't think is enough to throw Akron off, but I think that it was at least a good attempt at a strategy. Mm-hmm. And that's... That's the show for the week, everybody. That's that's all I've got to discuss. Next week, we'll probably throw in the Neon Dawn discussion, go over patch notes, go over the new operator, and see how it all works out. Now, I don't have much else to say. We've got matchups coming up this week, so pay attention to all One of that. But thing. Yeah, we go ahead. We actually have a player for Purdue in chat. Oh, nice. Uh, Welcome. He says, from my perspective as a player for Purdue, it felt like we played Akron's game instead of playing our own. That allowed Akron to get easy kills with no refrags. Uh, yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a, a good analysis. If you guys really felt like you were kind of playing into Akron's hands, mm-hmm. um, then yeah, that, that could have been a, a, a pretty big folly. Yeah, and that's easy to fall into. Like with it being a 2-0 matchup, like when you get just kind of handed the first half five to one on Villa and it can be extremely demoralizing that it, it, you fall into a pattern at that point, loss after loss after loss, it could easily be something that you just fall into that rhythm and they got to decide the pace and just keep going with it. You see it all the time. So uh, yeah, that's great insight. Thank you for bringing that in hangman 902. Uh, we, I mean, great season great season come this far get seated so high certainly caught me off guard certainly caught well i I won't say it caught syntax off guard but like uh it was it was impressive to see you all come out so strong in cr6 this season yeah and with that i think we're wrapping up the show syntax you got any last notes um i i don't think so okay but hangman i am i'm very impressed with how purdue played out um, I'm sorry you guys lost, but you guys put up a very valiant effort, and I'm I'm, I'm glad that someone was able to put up a, a competitive fighting chance against Akron. Um, hopefully, you guys can uh, can take them next season. There you go. As usual, you can find me at Warlocker Call on pretty much all social media. You can find Syntax at Syntax GG everywhere except for Twitch, which is underscore GG. So find his yeah. videos there. Uh, find his YouTube. Uh, videos for tips, tutorials, tricks, and way better gameplay than me. And otherwise, feel free to reach out. Again, if you have messages for the show, anchor.fm slash checkyour6 slash message. You see the link in the bottom left-hand side of the screen. Uh, Use that. Leave us messages. Talk to us. We want to know what it's like to be a player, someone operating the league, someone wanting to decide news about what's going on with their esports program with their league again we want to know all this information as much as you do 
as much as you want to share and highlight your players, highlight your programs, and highlight your successes and your follies. So thank you guys for joining us in chat. Thank you for listening to the podcast as this comes out. And we will see you next weekend for another episode. Take it easy, everybody. See you next week. All right.